Thanks for tuning in to Isolated But Not Alone. On last week's bonus episode, we talked about the dark side of mental health agencies in reference to burnout. We discussed therapist burnout. We defined what it is, how therapists experience it. And something that I said on that podcast, and I genuinely believe it, is that one of the biggest reasons for burnout is the incompatibility between the aggressive business model and the holistic mental health model. So today we're going to continue discussing therapist burnout, and we're going to tie it to some of the myths that I think have been created by some of these mental health agencies, or at least sustained by them in order to protect that aggressive business model that they utilize. So stay tuned. Hi, this is James Raines, and you're listening to Isolated But Not Alone, a podcast that seeks to bring mental health awareness to rural and isolated communities. I just wanted to take this time to let you know that this and other content produced by James Raines is not therapy and is not intended to be therapy or to replace therapy. Nothing in this podcast indicates or creates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek one in your area if you are experiencing any type of mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as specific life advice, and it is simply for the purpose of education. Welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. Today I want to focus some more on burnout, as well as some of the myths that I believe these mental health agencies rely upon in order to keep this system or this model functioning. But first, I want to do a quick announcement on some upcoming specials that I'm going to do in the next couple of months. The first is a series where I interview a local medical provider who works in geriatrics to discuss the pandemic and its effect on our elderly communities and their mental health. And I can't wait to share some of the fascinating things that I have found out through some of these interviews with this individual, just how much the elderly community has been affected by the pandemic. And not just from the physical effects of the pandemic, but from the effects on their mental, emotional, and spiritual health. The other special involves a local person in the community who does functional medicine. And so I'm going to interview them and have a dialogue on A, what is functional medicine? And B, how can we use functional medicine to improve our mental health? So I just wanted to announce those. I'm kind of excited about them, and I kind of want to build up um, excitement in you for them as well, as they are going to be excellent sources of information for you uh, moving forward, especially if you live in an isolated rural community. Now back to um, the topic at hand, burnout mental health agencies, and therapists. And so last time I kind of concluded with a discussion on burnout and how these mental health agencies often burn out their staff. And so unfortunately, if you are a client seeking mental health care in local rural communities, especially our local and rural community, the likelihood that you'll have a burnt out therapist is relatively high 
which means the quality of your care will be relatively low because there is a link between therapist burnout and quality of care. But I want to jump back just a little bit and discuss why I had said on the previous podcast that one of the number one causes of burnout is the merging of two incompatible systems, the aggressive business model and the holistic mental health model. After hearing my podcast, I had a colleague ask, why do you think or why from your perspective do you feel that's the number one reason for burnout? Because burnout happens for all kinds of reasons. Burnout happens because therapists do not take care of themselves. They do not practice routine self-care. And sometime we'll talk about the ins and outs of self-care, but right now just know it as taking care of their spiritual, emotional, mental health on a regular and routine basis in order to have a healthy place in which they can provide for others. And they mentioned other ones, like mental health illnesses that can affect anyone at any time, like depression and anxiety. And so they wanted to know why I felt that that was the number one reason. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that to start because I, I want to make it very clear why I had said that particular statement. The reason why I believe and had said that particular statement is because I firmly believe that if therapists were allowed to make a decent income and have control of their schedules to provide holistic quality mental health care, there would be less burnout. The reason why I say that is because even though there are many reasons that people get burnt out, I feel the underlying cause is that most people who work as therapists have to work connected to large agencies or larger agencies that have these more aggressive business models, which then demand more. And I'm going to tie this back to the agency that I've been talking about throughout this podcast series. They had a meeting, and I'll never forget, I, I always joke with my colleagues that I sat at the naughty table, you know, I sat at the bad kids table. And that's a horrible example and statement to make, but I felt like it was totally true, that I was sitting at the table with all the therapists and mental health providers that were kind of snarky that knew they were getting burnt out, knew that they had boundaries and that the agency was stepping into those and over those boundaries and didn't like it and felt shame and guilt perhaps because they were not living what they were preaching, so to say. Because they were telling their clients not to work at places like this to have boundaries against their workplace, to take care of themselves at their workplace, and were yet getting rolled over in their own workplaces, which can often make people feel very hypocritical. And so there was a bit of snarkiness at the table I was sitting at. And I remember looking around at the table at my colleagues and going, oh yeah, a lot of folks are one foot in, one foot out of the agency. And the vibe overall at our table was, is that we're not going to tolerate misinformation, deception, manipulation, because we're just not in a healthy mental place in which to do that. And maybe that's not the best way of putting it. 
but we are not in a mental state in which we can tolerate what we perceive as manipulation, deception, etc. And so at this meeting, one of the first things that was discussed was an entire speech, monologue, on quality versus quantity. And I'll never forget because it was like this whole big ornate business model, very business model, very aggressive business model presentation on quality versus quantity. And the CEO of the agency had made multiple statements to the effect that larger community-based mental health centers cannot provide good or excellent quality. They have to provide quantity because they make their money on quantity. And in the end, they are a business and a business cannot survive unless it is making money. And the CEO went on in, in their defense to discuss that it's not that they're not providing any quality. It's just the focus has to be on quantity over quality. And there was many like metaphors and pictures given about how places can give average or generic or holistic quality, meaning that quality that's comparable to all the other larger businesses that rely on quantity. But this Ferrari, I remember being the, the major illustration, the Ferrari care that the therapists were wanting to provide was just not feasible in a larger community health center. And I believe the CEO. I still believe the CEO. Despite all the things that have come out and people have said about the CEO of this mental health agency, I believe them to be honest in their statements about that. And that is why I think that burnout is caused by this aggressive business model. Because in the end, the aggressive business model relies on quantity over quality, which means you got to see more clients. And if you're seeing more clients, the likelihood is, is that you're going to become burnt out. You're going to be emotionally overwhelmed and you're not going to be providing good quality service. You're not even going to be providing average quality service. You're going to become numb and you're going to be going through the motions with your clients. And your clients may still be successful because in the end, it's the client's power. It's the client's decisions. It's the empowerment of the client that dictates their success or not, their outcomes. And a therapist can still be sitting in a room with a client and be emotionally, spiritually, mentally detached, disconnected going through the motions, trying to survive. And so I look at that and I say, you know, if therapists could make a decent amount of pay and see a healthy number of clients per day, maybe they would be able to provide holistic quality care and avoid burnout. But unfortunately, that's just not feasible the way that the system currently runs. And I believe that mental health agencies and people who are advocating for mental health live and work within that system, and sometimes can be just as resistant to change as clients and as everyone else. Because I feel like the system oftentimes protects itself. And I think about CBT. I think about cognitive behavioral therapy and how negative, repetitive thoughts 
will protect themselves. The way we think is how we are, and our thoughts will, and our core values will protect themselves. And they do that by taking in information from the outside that reinforces those things and blocking through denial, minimization, magnification, a whole lot of other things, information that's contrary. And I feel like, unfortunately, the system of mental health is no different. Even though there's a lot of people that are fighting for change, that are working extremely hard at changing the system. So you might be sitting here and you're like, okay, I'm not a therapist, James. I don't work in mental health. I don't quite understand what you mean by this. So I'm going to give you just a a couple examples of what I mean. So with the aggressive business model, quantity over quality, which means that I've got to see as many clients as I can see in a day. So if I work an eight-hour day, I should be seeing seven to eight clients. Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, well, James, I work an eight-hour day. You know, I'm busy throughout my eight-hour day. Sometimes I get a lunch, sometimes I don't. I don't want to invalidate that in anybody because I think it's an overall systematic problem created by just our society as a whole. Business is king. Busyness is king. And as we've discussed before, that type of work with clients can be extremely taxing on the therapist's resources. And so just envision, you know, you're sitting eight hours worth of therapy. Now, I know even the agency would say, well, no, you're not working the full eight hours. You know, you might only have six clients or seven clients. But in the end, I would say personally, any more than four or five seems too much in a day. And maybe you're a super therapist. You're like, boom, no, James, give me 10. It makes me wonder what resources you're utilizing that across the board other therapists do not have in order to produce that. And I've met therapists who can do that and sustain that for a time, right? I think of cars. I'm a big car fanatic. I love cars. And I think of my Volvo. I have a new Volvo and I'm very excited about my car. And It's got a very innovative engine. And this is the second Volvo I've owned. And after my first one, it's kind of like, ooh, do I even want to buy another type of car? (laughs) And people joke that they call it my mom's sports car, you know, soccer dad's sports car, you know. But it has a very innovative engine. It has a supercharged, turbocharged engine. And my understanding of the engine is that it's supercharged initially, which means it's belt-driven, in order to produce more horsepower in order for that initial push. And then once the turbocharger spools, well, then the turbocharger kicks in and the supercharger kicks off. Now, you're, if you're a mechanic and you're listening to it, you're like, man, you don't even understand. That's fine. That's just my perception of how it works. I haven't actually dived into it too much. If I'm even, In fact, I'm even afraid to touch it <laughs> because of how complex it is. But you know what? All cars have safety mechanisms. Right? So if I stomp down on the gas of my Volvo and the superchargers go on and the turbochargers kick on, you know, if left unchecked, I might have a tremendous amount of power and speed. But eventually, without checks and balances, that engine would burn itself out. I think of the movie Fast and Furious, the first one, 
when he's in the initial race with that car and he he overdoes it and he ends up blowing up the engine. So I say that to give the illustration that anybody can do anything for a short period of time, but it doesn't mean you're not heading towards burnout. Doesn't mean that you're headed towards disaster. And oftentimes what I've also seen with folks who are able to do that is they don't have any other things going on in their life, meaning that work is everything. They don't have children. They don't have a relationship. They spend all their off hours doing work that they're not getting paid for in order to keep up with all that. And I've seen therapists who try to do that, that have families and loved ones. And what I have noticed is, is that those folks and their families are the ones that suffer. They have to take away resources from one part of their life in order to compensate for the resources that are being expended because of work. And I feel this ties into one of the big myths, and I know I shared at the beginning, I'm going to talk about some myths, probably only going to get through one today. One of the big myths that I think mental health agencies like to continue to keep out there, keep generating, is that you have to work for a large community mental health center to be effective and to help your community. And this starts early in your career, meaning that it's starting at the college level. That basically, if you're not working for a large mental health agency or working in a large urban community, that you're really kind of just spinning your wheels, right? You're not advocating for systems change. You're not advocating for people who have low income, no income. And private practice is already kind of right out of the gate being shown to be like negative. Even if that's not anybody's intention, that's like the vibe that's automatically out there. Meaning that if you're doing private practice, you're doing something wrong. Because you cannot provide for, you cannot give the community what the community needs. And take that a step further, if you're not accepting insurances, well, then clearly you cannot benefit the community. Now, I know I'm talking in hyperbole. I'm giving the extreme here. But it, sometimes it's easier to see in the extremes that this is a myth, in my opinion, that mental health agencies love to kind of keep going, right? Because it helps them. And you might be saying, well, how does it help them? How does this myth kind of help them? Well, A, it gets rid of competition, <laughs> right? Because the last thing you want, if you are about quantity versus quality, is you don't want some private practitioner who's focused on quality over quantity taking some of your clients away, taking your business away, right? And not only that, mental health agencies, especially larger ones, rely on students and unlicensed clinical trainees for the majority of what they do. Now, let me focus a little bit more on what I mean by that. And I, I want to also put a caveat on it, especially in rural and isolated communities where there is not a lot of therapists to draw from initially compared to larger urban areas. So what I mean by that is that when you are a student going through school to get your eventual licensure in mental health, you have to do an internship. And from my experience, and this comes from not just my personal experience, but talking to you know, all my colleagues about their experiences, talking with fellow students, being in classes with fellow students who are in their internship, where a lot of them get unpaid internships, where they are almost immediately thrown into working 
sometimes full time with no pay where the agency is billing under the person who is the supervisor for all that they are doing. And so if you are billing for services and somebody who's not getting paid or providing those, it does two things. First, it alleviates all the burnout that you're experiencing from your long-term staff because now there's a fresh creative mind that's from the school that's not getting paid, right? That is trying to prove themselves, not only to themselves, but to others. And you're making good money because you are providing services that you can bill for that you don't have to pay somebody for to provide. Now, I know that there's all kinds of stuff to this. I'm talking very generically, right? Because I just don't have the time to go into all the nuances or to talk about all the different types of mental health agencies. And I want to say that not all community mental health agencies do this model. For example, some do pay a much lower rate, but they do pay, right? I can think of an agency in Northfield, Minnesota, that I remember sitting down with the person who owns and created that business kind of from the scratch up that said that it's not fair for students not to get paid anything when they're doing work. You know, so I just want to say that, that not all agencies are like that. But a large portion is. And they rely on that. Just like the agency here locally relied on fresh blood, young blood, to continue to provide that quantity, right? Because they're fresh. They maybe don't have those solidified boundaries. They might have been hearing about burnout all through their college career, but they don't quite understand what it means and how it looks in real life. And I think of a juice box, just, you know, kids sucking out of a juice box, just squeezing that thing up, crumbling it up. And it doesn't change when you graduate because for the first two years, you have to work on the licensure of someone else. So they pay you a little bit more or they might pay you something, but it's not as much as a fully licensed person's making, yet they're billing under the license of somebody else in order to get paid for those services. And so I want to end there. There's a whole lot more I could talk about, but we're just out of time on this episode. Next week, I'll kind of pick up where I left off here and do some more discussion. So I just want to conclude with that. Take care, be safe, and enjoy the holidays. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast enough to share it with friends and family and reach out with any questions you might have about mental health, and we will do our best in future shows to answer those questions. And remember, it might feel like you're isolated, and maybe you are, but you're not alone.